forgiven. What should be our corresponding action? I'm glad you asked. We should forgive and extend grace to everybody else. No wonder Matthew says, and when you start praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who's in heaven forgive your transgressions. As a Christian, you got to forgive. Now that said, and please don't get offended, the new F word in the word church is forgive. I'm going to say it again. The new F word in this church is forgive. Now that said, do me a favor, touch your neighbor and say, F you. God, I wish I had, God, I wish I had 25 people that say, I forgive you for whatever you said about me. Not just your neighbor, look down your whole row saying, F y'all too, go ahead and tell them. You know what, y'all looking at me crazy. Would you do me a favor? Take your phone out. Text all your exes and say, I'm at church. F you. Forgive you for lying on me and talking about me. Pastor, my mama don't like you. Well, F your mama. My family don't like you. F your family too. You know what? Jump on your feet. Snap your fingers. Say F everybody in here. That's awesome right there. Man, you know you want to say it. Say F you. <laughs> yes, all right. Now listen, there's some folk in here today that you heard that and your religiousness um, and made it to where you're like, there's no, mm, 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 I'm offended by that. I'm offended. Mm, mm. Well, you know what I want you to know? I forgive you <laughs> for your offense and your religiosity. So, no, 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 that's awesome right there. But truly, 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 today we are looking at unforgiveness. We're looking at resentment. We're looking at bitterness. And the idea of getting a do-over when it comes to relationships. I've been telling you the last few weeks how awesome it is when you're a child, because as a child you can have something go really, really wrong with another person relationally, and quickly they just get over it, you know. My little guy, Mac, yesterday, he had got into a strawberry twisty fruit, which is glorious all by itself, you know. Instead of a flat fruit, it is a twisty. Everybody say twisty. Yes, fruit. It's beautiful. And so he got into it. The problem was there's only eight to a box, and I go to look at the box, and there's two left. And so I told him, you've got to ask, Mac, when you want to get food. You can't just, you know, you eat like your mother. Come on, Mac. You just... You, you, you've got to, you've got what? Everybody stretch your hand toward my wife. Lord, we rebuke that Jezebel spirit in that woman. No, Jesus, no. No, but um, <laughs> when it comes down to it, that little guy, he comes back with another one in his hand, and I just instinctually, you should be a good parent, not like me, but I just went whack. I just smacked, just hit his hand, and it flew in the ground, you know, and then I picked it up and I ate it in front of him. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't do that. You have to ask. But long story short, within a few minutes, he's up in daddy's arm. He's loving me. Everything's all good. Because he's a child. He's childlike. And that's how it is with kids. They get done wrong, but quickly they have that ability to say, do over. Everybody say do over. Just do over. And now they're back to playing together like nothing ever happened. Wouldn't it be great if in our relationships, those relationships that are strained, if it could be that way, wouldn't it be great? You know, just do over, say do over. 
Your husband says something like this, you're just like your mother. All snap. But all you have to say is, do over. Yeah, yeah. Man, and then that fresh start, wouldn't that be awesome? Or, or maybe, maybe for you, the expectations that your boss puts on you is way more burdensome than he puts on any other employee that you work with. And it just, ooh, and resentment and bitterness and stuff rises up on the inside of you. And man, it's hard to go to work. Because you know you're working harder than anybody else, right? You just want to say, do over. I don't, I don't want to hold that unforgiveness. I know that's going to spoil my heart. I know that. So do over. Maybe for you, your mama treats you like you're eight years old, you know. And you're like, you know what, mama? I have been out of the house for 22 years is, is what I told my mom. And, and she still treats me. I mean, he, I, mean, me, I, mean, I mean, your mom still treats you, that's right, like you are eight years old. And she likes your sister better than you. I don't have any animosity for my mom at all, you know. No, but when it comes down to it, you just want to say do over when it comes to relationships, you know. So this week, I want to look at the price that we pay when we let offense rule our lives. I want to look at the price we pay. I also want to look at what it takes to have a do over in the relationships we have where resentment and bitterness have begun to dwell, all right. So let's stand to our feet today to honor God's word. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to go down to verse 21, and we'll start there. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, say brother, will be liable to the counsel of whoever says, will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the fires of hell. There's something that you see in there is the idea of brother. That's an intimate word, isn't it? We're not talking about a stranger. Those who you are connected to most intimately are those who will hurt you most deeply when it comes to the area of offense. Man, that's a hard place to be. You're absolutely right. I think this is going to help you today. I really do. That's good. I can't see where you at. Here you are, honey. Come on. I'm serious. This is good. Man, you know what? I want you to get all you can out here. Stretch your hands that way. Amen to our sister right now. Jesus, I thank you for our sister today. Lord God, we ask that today your hand upon her will allow her to receive a word of victory. It will allow her to receive a breaking of the strongholds of the lies of the enemy over her mind, saying that she's not when you're saying she is, that she can't when you're saying already she will. God, we praise you for that in Jesus' name, and we thank you. You're not holding one bit of anything, any offense against her. You love her. And so today, God, as she leaves this place, she'll hear your love and walk in it in a greater measure than ever before. And I praise you for that in Jesus' name. Give God praise. Amen? Amen. So it goes on, and check this out. What it says, it says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift to come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father, I ask that over the next few minutes, Lord, you have a purpose for us. You don't, you've already paid a price, Jesus, on the cross. There's not a penny more that you want us to pay. You've paid it all. 
But Father God, at times we allow the enemy to come and lie to us. And because of that, we cause a debt in our own heart that robs us and steals from us and tries to destroy us. And so I ask that today, Jesus, you would give us hope in your payment of that price of sin, that price of offense, and that with it, we'd have that same hope to offer to others. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat if you would. You're welcome. While you're taking your seat, listen to this. Should you go to your seat? Um, we live in an age of offense, don't we? It's just easy. I mean, everybody's PC now, right? Everybody's trying to be politically correct. We live in an age of offense. And, and I'm going to say a name. And even this name, there's some people in here, you'll be offended that I use this name in church. And I'm thinking the offense is that you don't love her more. Ellen DeGeneres. If there's any offense here, we I love that woman, right? Ellen DeGeneres. And see, this week, Ellen, she posted a picture of her riding on the back of Usain Bolt. That man is fast. And there was people who took offense to it, white suburbanites, who took offense to it. And they said, I can't believe how prejudiced that is. She's a racist. Man, Usain Bolt loved it. When you want to do and what her post was, was this. If next time I'm doing errands, I'm taking Usain, you know. Next time I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it. And they had her riding on the back of Hussein, and he's just in a blur of, 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 you know, he's awesome. He's flying. And because everybody offends easily, somebody starts saying, oh, she's racist and she's prejudiced. And and no, Hussein is fast. How many wants to do errands faster? That's what the woman was getting at, right? Even Hussein saw it, and he loved it. He thought that was a great thing, but we live in a society where we quickly get offended. We look for offense. We look for things that cause division. We look for frustrations. And in that, man, the internet went wild, you know? Well, I love Hussein. One thing that was neat about him, when they were doing the interview um, with him about his race, he stopped. They're celebrating his victory. He stopped because there was another race that had been won by an American, and they were doing the national anthem. And he stopped the interviewer. I thought that was the coolest thing, you know, and gave honor to our national anthem. What a good man. I think that's cool. And so that has nothing to do with this. But (laughs) people, I just say that, and people are offended already. I don't know what you might be offended. You don't like the American flag? I don't know. You know? You don't like Hussein? You got a problem with me? I like Hussein, you know? And so whatever it is, people get offended. All the time they get offended very easily. But here's the thing. Christians should be the least offended people ever. I'm serious. As Christ followers, we should be the least offended people ever. Think about it. It's kind of ironic that we would allow ourselves to be offended so easily, and Christians are known for being offended so easily, aren't we? Be honest. Come on. Can we talk about ourselves? All right, we're often known for being offended easily. It's kind of ironic, though, because we serve a Jesus that had every right to feel offended, but he laid all that offense down. Why? So we could be reconciled to God. The Bible says he loved us in so much that when we were still as sinners, he died for us. When we were still sinning. That offensive behavior against Jesus, but his love was so great for us that he laid it all down so that we could be reconciled to God. Isn't it ironic that often his followers, we struggle in the area of holding and harboring offense? Yeah, it is. And so what it is, is Jesus has an agenda. And what his agenda is, is reconciliation. That's his agenda. To draw us, number one, to God, and then two, to each other. Not just the each others that are easy, come on, but sometimes the each others that are difficult, like your mother-in-law, okay? 
And so Jesus, he has this passion in his heart for reconciliation. That's his agenda. But our hearts are quickly deceived by the agenda of another. And the agenda that I'm speaking of is that of the enemy. The enemy of our hearts, the devil himself. The Bible says Jesus comes to give life and make life abundant. But the enemy of our hearts comes, he comes to steal, kill, and then say destroy, destroy. He comes to bring destruction. Now, that doesn't happen overnight, destruction doesn't. It just doesn't. It, it takes time for a marriage to be destroyed. But something starts in the heart, and as it starts in the heart, it doesn't stay in the heart. All right? You've got those feelings in here, and you begin to brood over those feelings. Sometimes you brood over those feelings for a little bit. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she did that. Who does she think she is? Who does he think he's talking to? And you get that, and you start to brood over it, and then you begin to speak it, empowering it, you know. And you start to talk about it, and maybe you even get a friend. You know what she did? Let me tell you what she did. And it's, you're empowering this thing. And listen, what starts in the heart doesn't stay in the heart. It becomes visible, and it starts to wreck a marriage. If you're not careful, it starts to wreck the work environment. If you're not careful, if you're on a team of some sort, it can start to wreck your team coach, Okay. If there's coaches here, that, that, that thing that's in them, that offense not dealt with, it starts to wreck stuff where you can see it. And that's what you can see here in the scripture. It says, it says you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. That You fool, the word is raka. Say raka. You fool. It's a harsh word. It's like a cuss word, you know. It's similar. It's got that hard consonant right in the middle. Raka just sounds really, really evil, you know. And you're calling a brother that rock, you fool. And the problem is, it's not that by the time it comes out your mouth, it's already been in your heart for a while. And what this is saying is you're liable to hell fire, not the fires of hell. Not, not, I'm not saying hell like you're going to go burn in hell. This word is Gehenna. And it was an actual place outside of Jerusalem where they burned their trash. And, and they could look out there and see the fires of Gehenna burning. And basically Jesus is selling, telling them, if you don't resolve bitterness in your heart, if you go around holding a fence and calling people stuff, next thing you know, your heart's going to be ablaze and your life is going to be on fire. In other words, let me say it in our vernacular, everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Does that make sense? And there's people in here today that some of your relationships have, just like this says, has gone to hell in a handbasket. I don't even know what that means. I would think a handbasket would melt if it touched fire, okay? But my papa would say it, so I, I just said it. I don't have a clue, okay? <laughs> but that is the agenda of the enemy is to bring destruction. Now watch this. When it comes to a general getting a victory in a battle, he always has an agenda. He always has a strategy. And then he has tactics that allow him to get to the strategy to accomplish the agenda. So when it comes to Satan, his agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. All right? Say that. Say his agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. And here's what I need. I need some audience participation. All right? So I need, if you've been married less than five years, can you raise your hand? Couples that are together less than five years. All right. Why don't you guys come up here? Yeah. Andrew and Sarah, come on. Love you guys. Got to help your wifey up here. All right. Man, bring it in. All right. So we're going to use them as an illustration, okay? So come over here and stand side by side. And um, so his, his agenda is destruction. His, his 
Strategy is division. This is what Jesus, or rather the Satan, this is what the enemy wants to do in your life. You ready? He wants to do this. That's it, right there. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to divide you. Okay, we'll come back together. All right? So the enemy, they're going through life, and he wants to look for any way he can to, to do this, to divide you. He's like, you touch my wife that hard again, I'm going to smack you in your tooth. All right, so the thing about this is the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? Okay, there's a sense of agreement, unity, that keeps you walking together. The devil hates that. Our flesh hates that, you know. And so with that, one more time, so the enemy wants to divide a marriage. Now watch this, okay. A marriage is one of the most intimate, it probably is the most intimate um, expression in the earth. You know, between a husband and wife, so intimate, not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. But the next thing that I believe is very intimate in the earth is the relationship between church folk. And so what the, what the enemy wants to do in a marriage, he wants to divide, okay? What the enemy wants to do, you're going to get dizzy, in a church, he wants to divide you, right? What the enemy wants to do between husbands and wives, or let's do this, between fathers and sons, he wants to divide. That's... That's his passion. Why? Because if I can separate, if I can divide, then I can destroy. I can't destroy if they're united. But they're not going to embrace destruction because he's smart. He's smart. Okay? (laughs) So he's not going to embrace destruction, but if the enemy can start the process. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, now we're going to come back to this in a little bit, okay? But um, um, you know what? Let me do something real quick. Let me, let me, this is kind of how this works. And then I'll let you go. Hold that. Can you hold that for a second? All right, thank you, buddy. All right. Got one for you, too. Aren't you lucky? When it comes down to us and our lives, if his agenda is destruction and his strategy is division, his tactics are offense. Okay. Oh, you're jumping too far ahead. You're jumping too far ahead. Everybody say offense. And don't, don't get all smart on me now. All right, spoil the surprise. But his tactic is offense, okay? And if I can get that one little thing, I can't believe she said that. Who does she think she is? But the problem is you got stuff in your life, right? And what the Bible tells us, I love this, when it comes to this idea of a plank, it says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? There it is again, that intimate relationship. Let me read it this way. Why do you look at the speck in Sarah's eye, okay, but you don't consider the plank in your own eye, Andrew? (laughs) You know? I can't believe you see it that way. What's wrong with you? Isn't it the truth in our lives that our shortcomings are seen as little specks? But when I look at somebody else and I look at their shortcomings, they're big planks. Isn't it true in our own lives? So it's the same way. It's like, so you got this plank. The problem with the plank thing is, watch it, it's dangerous. You know what I mean? You're walking around blind. You're walking around hurting each other. Why? Because you got planks in your eye. Not good. All right? It goes on. It says, let me remove the speck from your eye and look. A plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, it says. Andrew, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from Sarah's eye. Isn't that good? But see, the devil has an agenda. Destruction. He has a strategy, division. And these little offenses, that's his tactics to get you to the place of destruction. All right? 
All right, guys, you can go sit down, okay? Let me ask you a question. Where do you, what's your favorite place in, in Woodstock, Kansas? All right, McDonald's. Cool. All right. <laughs> no, we're going to get them supper somewhere, okay? It's a, and not McDonald's. And not, and not McDonald's. Now, listen, Andrew and Sarah, if you want that meal, you got to hold out for the whole sermon, okay? Because I'm going to have you back up in just a little bit for one more thing before we finish, and then we're going to hook you guys up. So, man, thank them one more time. So let's walk through this. Let's start with his agenda is destruction. As we look at the scripture here, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. That idea of what stays in your heart doesn't stay in your heart. That offense begins to be carried and hell begins to be seen in your marriage. Or that pain begins to be seen in your friendships. Or that destruction begins to be seen at work or at school. That is his agenda. His strategy, as we look at it, it's division. If you're offering your gift, watch this, at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Hold on a second. This brother, they're not in the same space, are they? In other words, where he's at giving his worship to God, his brother's somewhere else. Now, I understand that it's the physicality of that, that his brother's not at church with him that day. Didn't come to synagogue that day. I get that, okay? But I think it's more than that. I don't think it's just that he's not at synagogue with him that day. I think when it comes down to it, I think there's an emotional distance between the two, right? Because they're not reconciled. The lack of reconciliation is separation. It's distance. And so now you see God imploring him, man, don't when you go to worship, if you've got something against somebody, don't go to worship and just act like it doesn't exist. No, go to that person and reconcile that relationship. So then come back and worship God. You know, I've taught you guys before, it's been a long time since I said it, that the word righteousness means right relationship. doesn't mean living holier than thou. doesn't mean that you're perfect because none of us are, but it means right relationship. A right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. You can use the cross as a good picture of that. How am I connected to God vertically really, really affects how I'm connected to people horizontally and vice versa. Okay? And so that's what it's saying here. It's saying if your vertical stuff's not square, or rather if your horizontal stuff's not square, then don't just act like it's all okay and come and be all worshipful. Now listen, you may be here today and you say, Ross, I have tried to reconcile and they won't let me. That's a whole different story. You live your heart pure before the Lord, and you release them, and you forgive them. And if they want to be ugly, they can be ugly all by themselves, okay? But, but, you've tried. Does that make sense? God's not going to hold you accountable. The Lord gave me a word years ago, and this is awesome for people who have come through divorce, and you didn't want the divorce. Listen to me. You ready? God will not hold your destiny hostage because of the will of another person. Aren't you happy about that? We're free will believers here. Okay? And so since we believe in the free will that God has given us, God is a good God. He's a sovereign God, and he's not going to hold your future hostage because somebody else is wanting to be ignorant, okay, and evil. And so with that, and there's boundaries. Some people have boundaries that need to be in place. But what I'm saying is God can start to stir your heart where you know you need to fix that, and don't worship without trying to fix that, you know. Here's why. You can't worship Christ properly and treat people awfully. You can't. You, you can't preach, you can't, you can't worship him properly treating folk awfully. You just can't, you know. Worship's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
And as I was preparing this, I got to thinking about it. It's, it's like this. There's a song we sang in Ohio, and um, it was a guy in our church wrote it. It, it goes, whatever you want from me, I'll give. Whatever you say, Lord, I will do. Whatever you ask, Lord, I am willing. My desire is to do your will. Just a simple song. We'd sing that over and over. You know, just, God, who you are. I just want to live out what you're calling me to do. But for some of us, it sounds like this. Whatever you want from me, I'll give. Whatever you say, Lord, I will do. I want to throw my mother-in-law under a bus. But my desire is to be like you. Right? Right? I don't know what your issue might be. Whatever you want from me, I'll give. Whatever you say, Lord, I will do. I want to jab a letter opener in the side of my boss's neck. Ross, that was too gross. That, that just was over the line. But my desire is to do, hallelujah, glory to God, your will, right, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's funny right there, I don't care who you are. So when it comes down to it, you think that the division that you have is just between you and that person. No, 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 no. That passion to not reconcile, that, 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 that fierceness in you to not release that offense it's not just between you and them. It begins to eat away at your relationship with God. It does. That horizontal issue starts to affect that vertical relationship. Why? That's the agenda of the enemy is destruction. And his strategy is division. And so he brings these little, his tactic of offense, these little things to bear to separate you from the heart of God. I've told you guys before about the frustrations I have with my neighbor, right? So here we go again, okay? So I ride a motorcycle, and my neighbor, man, I tell you, he gets on me about it, you know? And he'll be like, that blank, blank, blank motorcycle so loud, blank, 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 can't believe how you come tearing in here. <laughs> now, I have no animosity against him at all. You can see that, okay? So pure love of Jesus for my neighbor. And, um, and, and so he, he'll say that, and man, I, I'll put my bike all bikers in here, I'll put my bike down into second gear, and I'll burp my way into the neighborhood. Burp, 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 burp. You know what I'm talking about? Just, I'm, not, I'm not winding this thing out. I'm just burping my way burp, 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 up my driveway. Burp, 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 burp. And he will still, I heard you leave yesterday morning. What time do you leave anyhow? You know? and, and he'll complain to me about leaving at 5, 36, 30 in the morning, which I do often for things, for work, for, for, for um, 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 the gym and stuff like that. But then he'll say, well, preachers don't work anyhow. He'll ask Amy, how's your lazy husband doing? I love this man. So, we're working on it. We're working on it. So, long story short, last week, I think it was Sunday afternoon, last Sunday afternoon, I hear all these motorcycles, rah, 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 going at it, you know. And I'm excited because I love motorcycles. I'm like a five-year-old. I hear motorcycles and I'm just like, I got to see them, you know. So, I run over to see the motorcycles outside and there's like five Really nice Harleys. I mean, these are like $25,000, dollars You know, but these guys are weekend warriors. That's all they do. They just ride on the weekends. They don't ride 365. You know, I mean, they're, you know, there's no resentment there. You know, and so, 
you know, motorcycle like that, and it sits all week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. So long story short, they're out in his driveway, and they're just wham, wham, and they got the radios blasting, you know, blah, really, I didn't even know they could have radios like that, you know. And so I'm just like, Ugh, you know, and so when they leave, he's up there in his driveway, and I look up, and I'm like, hey, what's that? And he's like, I'm like, you don't think that's loud? With the, with the smile of Jesus on my face. You don't think that's loud? And he goes, yeah, but that's not all the time. That's just once in a while. You know? Yeah, it's once in a while because you you're not a real writer. No, I, I, don't, I, I didn't say that. It was really cool, but here's what I did. I just like, I went, and I walked into the house. Now, this here is a, a sign of frustration, okay? Not real nice. It wasn't. <laughs> you, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Because that wouldn't be good, and the board would correct me, and I would need that. But, but still, I was just like, ah, and I go in the house, you know. Long story short, this man, I've got to get this stuff resolved. We were buddies at one time. And then every little thing, everything from Mac, we get pregnant with, she gets pregnant with Mac. And when she got pregnant with Maverick, hey, we're going to have a baby. What? You thinking in a world like this? You know? And it was just like, are you kidding me? You can't be happy about nothing, you know. When we had Arden, I never even said a word. You know, all of a sudden, she's about a year old, and it's like, did you get another one? <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. So pray for my relationship with my, 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 my neighbor. So again, I'm learning all this stuff too, right? But it's little things. It wasn't the one thing with him. It's been things over and over, and I know he gets frustrated with me, and back and forth, and there's, you know, and they're, ugh. But it's caused division between us. We don't have that, that spirit like we had once before where he was the sweet old guy, and and I was the dumb young husband that needed help from the sweet old guy. And, and now we grate on each other. And I don't want that back. So you can pray for me on that as I try to get that, okay? But when that comes into the house, that more intimate relationship, those little offenses are going to be horrible. Come back up here, guys. Andrew and Sarah, come back up here. When that comes back in the house, all those little things can be something that leads toward destruction. But it doesn't happen overnight, okay? Come, come over here. So what happens, I'm going to give you each a plank again. Plank. There's you a plank. There you go. What happens? There's those little offenses that you hold. Now, this is I don't know their story on this, but it could be something as simple as this. There's a nice big family meal, and next thing you know, Andrew he says something like, "Mom, she's cooking. Mom, this is oh, you make the best cornbread ever," and he drops that. He's just complimenting mom. That's all. But in Sarah's head, it's, <laughs> yeah, you better like her. I ain't making no more cornbread for you. If that's the best cornbread ever, you know. She makes cornbread once a week for him, you know. Can't you tell? And, and so she makes cornbread once a week for Andrew. And with that, it's like, in this, no. And so there's this little tiny offense. He didn't mean it like that. But next thing you know, here, come over here. So next thing you know, come back, come back behind here, both of you guys. Come back around. So this little offense. Hey, there we go. Go ahead and slide that in. She's holding on to, you know. And poor Andrew, he's thinking to himself, man, it's been six months since I had cornbread. You know? And so he brings it up, you know, where, honey, I don't get it. You know, where's cornbread? Well, you like my, your, mother's, my, your mother's cornbread better than mine and blah, 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 and so on. And, and, and so there's that, you know. These guys had a little baby, Rylan. She's awesome. Cute little kid. And so Rylan's bored. It could be this. Ever since the baby's come, I feel like I'm not valuable anymore. I, 
I feel like you put more into it, which is true. <laughs> I'm just being honest, right, gentlemen, for a season, help the young man out. It's true. And, you know, I feel like I don't have, the, like, you don't put value on a relationship anymore. I feel like you don't want to spend time with me. All you want to do is be with Ryland, take care of Ryland. That's called work, too. Okay, so, but with that, because I've been there, I know. With that, he gets frustrated, and he starts to, go ahead and slide back up. He starts to feel that. So there's an offense that gets rooted in his heart, and, man, she isn't paying attention to me. I don't understand it. She's frustrated. I can't live up to his expectations because his mother was such a great mother. Again, I don't know their stories. But still, that idea, and it's very frustrating. And if it was just two things, it wouldn't be all that big a deal. But that's not how it is. Because in the heart that you have, it's like a closet. And in that closet, dang, there's a lot of stuff. You know? There's a lot of opportunities to feel offended. I mean... Right? Lots of opportunities to feel offended. So when it comes down to it, you know, it could be this. Oh, I love this one. This is a great one here. It could be Sarah was always late when he would go to pick her up for a date. And it was so cute. Oh, she's dolling up. She's so cute. It's adorable. Oh, she's late. And I got to wait. And she comes down the balcony and look. Oh, she's so beautiful. And she comes down the balcony and... I know that we end up getting to the movies late. I know we've never seen a movie in our whole dating relationship on time, ever. But it's so adorable. But then the next thing you know, they get married. And within a few weeks, it's not adorable. It's like, oh, my gosh, I feel disrespected. I feel like you don't value our time and all those kinds of things. First service, these all went right in perfectly. There you go, slide that one down. And so it becomes something. Just go like that. There you go. Perfect. All right, good. You're going to hurt somebody. So <laughs> maybe for her it was this. Andrew had such a big personality. And when they were dating, he just filled a room with her, his personality. And, and you love it. Oh, he's the life of the party. He's so wonderful. I mean, just the way he communicates, he just love it. And now you're married after a few months, and it's like, he'll never shut up. <laughs> Let's slide that in. You know? And when we're out in public, do you see me? Do you even see me or is it just everybody else? Because I'm here, I'm here, but you, you don't make me feel like I'm here because your attention's on everybody. But it was so cute before marriage, right? So the things you fall in love with prior to marriage often become the offenses that you deal with in marriage. Isn't that crazy? It just is. Um, yesterday, I had a, um, a premarital counseling session with a couple. And in that counseling session, I asked, what is it that you <coughs> like most about that other person? And the little girl, she says, it's about the man. She says, I love it that when I don't want to talk, he will keep pressing me and pushing me to communicate. And he will look right at me. Like our first date, he just looks right at me until I would say stuff. He'd ask a question, and he'd just stare at me until I would. He forced me to talk. I love that about him. And I was like, oh, you're going to hate that. <laughs> you were so going to not like that about him. You know what I mean? And, and I explained to him what I was meaning by that. But, you know, basically, that becomes something. There you go. That becomes something of offense, you know. <laughs> and then with him, it was one of those things to where he was saying, I love how contemplative she is. And here's what he said. He goes, I have to, like, draw treasures out of her when it comes to communication. Because she just holds it all in, and it's a challenge. Yeah, okay. 
told the young man, I said, you're going to hate that, you know. Is that true? <laughs> so here's the thing about it is I, I want you to stand here on this side. Come here, Andrew. Stand over here. Here's the thing about it. All these little offenses over time build a fence. You see that? It's nice. It doesn't happen overnight, but the little offenses, that's the tactics. If it was, hey, look, this is what it looks like to have a broke-up marriage, and Ryland has a broken family to be raised up in, and, and you're going to go and be with two or three other people trying to find satisfaction, and you're not going to find it, and then this and this and that. No, we're not going to buy that, right? That's not how it works. His agenda is that, destruction. His strategy is division. That's where it starts. And as you can see, see this? really handsome. Hi. Did you see that? And that's how it is for a lot of us in our relationships, you know. I'm using the marital relationship because it's such a, a strong relationship. But the question is this. It's not will offenses come into your life. They will. Every one of us are going to have chances to be offended. The question is, what are you going to do with those offenses? Watch this. It says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. See this? A relational prison. One on this side of the bars and another one on the other side of the bars. You're halfway to the agenda of the enemy. You're halfway to his goal, right? What's beautiful though is in that position, you're halfway to victory too. You're halfway to what God desires too, amen? I love that. And so that's not the question, is, is, is offense is going to come? Yeah, they'll come, but when they come and you don't deal with them quickly, offense builds offense. The problem with that, it says, truly I say to you, you'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. In other words, this is going to cost your relationship dear. Holding on to that offense on your part is going to cost that friendship dearly. Holding on to offenses at work, you're going to become that person at work that nobody wants to deal with because you always have an attitude. It's going to cost you dearly. That penny will be paid. Does that make sense? All right. That's what the enemy wants for us, to cause us to be robbed. Where Jesus comes to, to give life and to make it more abundantly, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so we're always kind of fighting against those things. And so we have to choose to drop it. We have to choose to let it go. Lewis Smead said it this way, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. When you hold that up, you just put yourself in a prison. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? And I want you to pull this out. Sarah, come out here out front. I'll hand it him. Okay, that'll be good. Let me do that for you. That'll make it easy. So I'm going to hand it to you. And I want you to drop it. You make a choice to reconcile it as forgiven toward God. God, this is yours. You're dealing with this. I'm not going to let this hold me any longer, you know? Andrew, you got to drop it, right? Sarah, drop it. Now listen, the great theologian of the 20th century said it this way. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's thank you, Snoop, you know? But that, that, that's, you want a do-over? Stop holding on to it. You, you want a fresh, fresh start? You've got to drop it, right? Amen? Give these guys thanks for coming up. You can go ahead and sit down.
Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be neat if we had a, a model in Scripture? If we had a model in Scripture where you could see where a person was offended, but they laid it all down anyhow. Wouldn't it be awesome? Where a person that loved horizontally so rich and was connected so vertically that they had the power to reconcile. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a model of that? Yeah, I think we do, don't we? You know, because in the Word, that's the model. The cross of Christ. I don't want this strong in your life, but I also want this strong in your life. And at times this gets strained, and we have to learn that we need a do-over. We gotta, we gotta drop that offense. Let's stand to our feet. As you stand to your feet, I want you to do something, everyone. I want you to hold your hands up. And I'm gonna have you hold your hands up for a second, okay? Just keep them up. Just keep them up. All right. As your hands are raised, I want to ask you to release those that have offended you. If it's someone in your home today, make a point to talk with them. If it's somebody you got to make plans to travel to talk to them, make those plans, whatever it is. But today in your heart, release those people today. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. You know? It's that idea, God, I forgive them. God, I want a do-over. I don't know if they'll receive it or not, but I want a do-over. When I go talk with them, I'm not going to say, look, I forgive you. No, no, no. I'm going to ask Got your hands up? Got your hands up? Here's what's wild. As your hands are up, do you feel the blood going out of your fingers? Yeah, you do, don't you? And your shoulders are starting to get a little bit strained, right? You feel that? That's how it is in a relationship that's strained by resentment and bitterness. The life goes out. The blood goes out. And everything starts to hurt. Your shoulders are hurting right now. Just a little bit tense. You start to feel that pressure. You know, but listen, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to think in your head who it is that you need to go talk with if you're holding a fence. And on the count of three, I want you to drop your arms. You ready? One, two, three. All right, move your shoulders a little bit. You feel that? Man, you just, it's like a release. It's like you feel the blood go back to your fingers. You feel the strain removed. Listen, Jesus shed the blood that is needed for reconciliation, not just for your salvation, to reconcile you to him, but to reconcile man to man as well. His blood is as powerful to forgive you as it is to allow you to forgive another person. And you think, I can't, for there's no way I'll ever be able to forgive them. The same blood that was powerful enough to forgive you will allow you to forgive them. But, but Ross, they treated me, I know, I know. But Ross, there needs to be boundaries. You're probably right. And I respect that. There's things that have been done to you that you do need to draw boundaries at times. But you're holding on and you're in a prison. And so, release it to God. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, for my friends that are here today, for those that feel like they need to drop it. There's those that feel like they need to do over in a relationship. Remind them that offense is an event. But being offended is a decision. And today they choose to not be offended any longer. They choose to go past that event of offense and to forgive that offender and to allow them to have judgment caused to them by the Lord. And God, we release them to you for your hand to lead them toward reconciliation, to judge them if their hearts turn toward that. But God, we're not going to hold that any longer. We choose to drop it. We choose to have a do-over in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.